Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up? And welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, how's it going? I want to be a millionaire so freaking bad. It's still stuck in my head from the pre-show. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hopefully, everyone's doing well. Also with us, it's the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how's it going? I want to be in the cover of Forbes <laughs> magazine. I'm doing wonderful. I love that song, so that got me pumped up in our little pre-show discussion. I think we just sang that really well. I mean, I think I hit that note and the Forbes pretty nicely there. Just the Fergie mix with Jesus over there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you guys missed a good sing-along before we started hitting the record button. Maybe Cam decided to fill you guys in. But just a reminder, guys, subscribe to the show wherever, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Spoco Radio. New account for you guys to follow. Woo-hoo-hoo! At People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. We'll kick the show off with this. Luca Garza made a little bit of, of news today as we were recording this on Wednesday that uh, he plans to announce his decision on whether or not to return to Iowa City on August 2nd. So we'll start the show with this. Jer, do you think it's in his best overall interest to come back to Iowa City? At this point, I do not. We've already seen March Madness get canceled and prevent Luca from going and showing the world that he's better than Obi Toppin. And I just think the way things are going with California, going back to the basics with Florida and Georgia and Texas and Arizona and New Jersey and New York and everything kind of just exploding still. I just don't know if I, if I, if I were to be like his agent or somebody advising him to me, go get your money young fella. Like even if you're a second round pick or you go to the G league or something, you can go get some sort of money and why take the risk of coming back to college basketball? If there's, the potential of not getting a full season. I just think it's be wiser for him at this point to just go to the NBA. It sucks. I don't like saying it. I want him to come back completely, but just everything's so up in the air. I don't want him to miss out on a year of quality prime basketball that he could be playing at a high level to maybe come back and play for the Hawkeyes. Champ, you look displeased with that answer. Do you think it's in his best interest to come back? I don't love that answer. I'm not going to lie. August 2nd is my birthday, so I'm hoping that Luca gives me a nice old birthday gift and comes back. Luca Garza right now is not a first-round pick in the NBA, so I, I don't think it's in his best interest to leave. I, there is some, you know, a lot of questions whether or not college basketball is going to be played at its fullest next year, if they're going to start on time, if they're going to have a full season. But even with all that, I don't think Luca Garza can hurt himself by coming back. Even if the worst-case scenario happens and they play nothing, they play no college basketball next year, he gets a full year of working out with his father, hardcore with Frank and, you know, in the gym. We've seen the videos. He's still, you know, probably going to get drafted somewhere in the second round, even without, you know, going to the league next year. So I, I don't think it can hurt him. I think it can only help him by going back having another dominant season, and maybe then jumping into the first round. So if I was Luca's agent or people talking to him, representing him, I would say come back for another year, 
go win a Big Ten championship, go to the Final Four, showcase your talent on the highest level because next year's Iowa team is going to be loaded. And they, they can definitely make a long run and be – his game can be the focus of NBA talent evaluators throughout March Madness. So I would tell Luca to go back for another year. That's if they have a season. I'm not saying it's going to hurt Garza at all. I'm saying that there's a year of his of his young professional career that he could go and obtain cash to set himself up for the future rather than sitting around because there's there is a legit potential that none of this is played. But but obtain, it's already happened. But you you talk about obtaining cash if he's a second round pick in the NBA that's not even guaranteed money. Like that's but you're getting a one or two year deal for a couple million dollars and it's not even guaranteed. You can go to training camp as a second round pick, not make the team and get no money. Like Or you can go to Europe think, where Do you think Luka Garza is a first round pick if he I never said he was. Part? I in fact before you even came on said that in the second round you but you, he'd be a second round pick more than likely if at all. But we're also talking about, and you're forgetting about, the fact that Europe is able to play basketball right now without fans and obtain a bubble. He can go and do that and still have money. He can go money. and play in Europe the year after, if, even if there's no games played. That's not what Luka Garza wants It's about wants to the do. prime. He wants, to go to the old. he wants to go to the NBA, and his best it's, opportunity to go to the NBA is coming back, proving that last year wasn't just a one-hit wonder, that it, 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 he's a dominant force in college basketball coming back and then maybe sneaking at the end of the first round or mid first round the next season. Champ, I agree with you. I think it's, I, think I agree it's too. Best. But the, the thing you said is worst case scenario is they don't play a basketball game. It's the worst case scenario is that he gets hurt and the season gets canceled. And so he now has an injury on his resume and he came back to play in a season that ultimately meant. And he's older in NBA circles. Like, how often do we hear, like, this guy's a senior. He's already lost two, three years of his prime on the basketball court. Like, and all of a sudden, eight, like, scouts and GMs are, like, pulling away a little bit. It just – I just feel like he should go and get as much money as you possibly can. If it come, When it comes down to these kids, and I've always stuck it this way, go get your money. If you feel it's time to go get your money and you don't, you're not confident that you're going to play a full basketball season – which I want him to do for Iowa, then go get your money. Go get your non-guaranteed second-round money, Luca. Enjoy that. I mean, come on. It, it, we said the same thing Gino Stone when he left earlier. He ended up being a seventh-round draft pick, and but he still he still needed to leave. $2 million in Gino's pocket. He's making up he's, – he's in his prime – he's in his earning prime right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Gino could have stayed, been a fourth or fifth rounder and made a lot more money. But then that's fine. I'm not mad at Gino for doing it. Oh, you don't know that? Yeah. It sucks. It sucks that we're even here. Well, let's have a little fun with it. What would you do? Oh. 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 <laughs> what would you do to make it worth Luca's while for him to come back for his senior year? Ooh, what would I do? Would, Jer, would you be his personal Uber driver for the entire season? I've already told anybody in Iowa City if they want that to happen, I'll drive to Philly right now. But I need, like, some sort of jersey signed under under the table. <laughs> a little Luca jersey sign so you can hang it up in the room right next to that Sean Green poster that's yeah, behind you right, right now. Right there. Oh, no, wait, right there. Yeah, right there. <laughs> it would look great. So what would I do for Luca? I, I'm not going to do anything because he's coming back. I have, I have full confidence <laughs> So I'm not going to have to sacrifice anything. He knows that he's going to come back and, and try to win a national championship for this Hawkeye basketball program. So there's really not a whole lot I, I'm going to have to do, I don't think. So, no. 
do you think of the name image and likeness stuff was already passed that he would that someone around iowa city would maybe overpay yes to ensure he came back a billion percent for sure he'd be burrito raising every day <laughs> like hello my name is luca garza of the iowa hawkeyes i get my burritos from Pancheros. pump it up <laughs> and then his crazy father comes over and murders the burrito <laughs> all right yeah i mean i i agree with both of you i think someone if if he had the ability to make some money off of his name that he would stay just to uh because i do think it, it's a tough decision for him I, I think part of the reason he hasn't decided yet is because i think he truly is torn yeah, yeah. And, and i think he's torn i think the majority of him being torn isn't about the money or being that i think it's because the season is in doubt the season that he was playing at his best ever got canceled and the season coming up where he could play even better and show off what he has put on to his game could potentially be canceled within days of starting. Absolutely. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. He could decide to come back and then have the season canceled a month later. Yeah. And then, then, what, what, then what happens if that happens? Does, do they give, obviously they haven't started a season. So these guys would still be eligible then all of a sudden are they allowed to go jump in the NBA and try to get contracts or are they, or do they say, no, you got to wait it out, wait till the next season. Cause that's, I don't know if that's decided anywhere or if anyone's discussed that, but that has to go into his thinking because he's not going to want to, you know, risk coming back and potentially not having a season. If then he has to wait a whole nother year to play and then get into the NBA. So if there's some sort of loophole or rule that they're coming up with that yeah. says these guys that don't declare, but then a season is canceled can then try and go to the NBA and sign free agent contracts, then maybe that influences the decision. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm sure there's been discussions about that. Right. But it, and there's also too the fact that if he comes back, it gets canceled. He decides to stay to work on his draft opportunity then he's like 24 going into his first NBA season. Yeah. <laughs> old. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I truly think he's, yeah, like DC said, it's a, he's truly up in the air. He's torn. And like you said, Jer, if this was a, a for sure season coming up next year, oh, no I don't think there'd be any question he'd be coming oh. back. That he would want to come back, finish out his year, you know, compete for not only a Big Ten title, but potentially a national title. But yeah, with with it being up in the air, it's it's probably a 50-50 uh, coin flip right now for Luca. I'm pretty sure he's called this a dream season going into his senior year. So I I think that says everything you need to know. It's just will that dream season happen? Yep. For sure. All right, well, let's shift gears guys as we are in full preview football mode. The other bit of news that came out after we recorded last week was that the Big 10 is moving to a 10-game conference only football schedule with the hopes of having a college football season this year after our full discussion on whether or not we think there would be a football season this year. But the simple question is Iowa gets a 10th conference game. It gets one more game added on the schedule. Who do you want that 10th game to be? Champ, we'll start with you. So I don't think you're both going to really enjoy this answer, but I'm going to go with Rutgers. And the reason I'm going to put Rutgers on the schedule is the Iowa schedule is difficult enough as it is. They are facing Wisconsin, Minnesota, I know Minnesota's on the road, at Penn State, at Ohio State. I know Jerry's going to say Michigan. We all know that. He's going to want Michigan to add it to the schedule. But why? It's, it's totally unneeded, first of all. Our schedule, play, you're playing the four best teams in the Big Ten. 
and, and and if you want to put Iowa's, you know, they're they're the top five teams. Iowa's one of those top. Don't five backpedal teams, now. Potentially, but you're if you're a, your opposing player teams are the four best teams going into the season. Why add Michigan to that list? It's totally unnecessary. Give me Rutgers. It can be a road game at Rutgers to make it a little more difficult. That's fine. Right. But throw Rutgers on there. Then you have five at home, five on the road, you know, and hopefully you get an extra win out of that because Rutgers, as we know, is not a very good football program. You say Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> Drop City. Wrong answer. Jerry, what's your answer? Why is it Michigan on the road at the big well, house? Well, I have a question. Has there ever been a year in which you've played the same Big Ten opponent twice outside of like a championship game? Uh, no. Maybe back when they had like 14. Because I would love to play Nebraska twice just to beat the hell out of them twice. A little home at home with Nebraska. Yeah, a little home at home action. Like you got one at Kinnick, you got one over in Lincoln, and you smack the shit out of them two times in a row. Send Scott Frost packing. He doesn't get so to – would you change the schedule to be like starting with Nebraska and finishing with Nebraska? So you're can, like separating them out? Actually, yes. Because can you imagine beating the shit out of Nebraska and then beating the shit out of Minnesota back-to-back weeks? It would be the <laughs> best way to start a season. That would be lovely. That is my initial choice. But obviously, for obvious reasons, we're probably not going to happen. So, yes, it's Michigan. Jim Harbaugh at Kinnick Stadium. He hasn't won yet. I want to keep that thing oh, you're going. Oh, at least, you're at least putting it at Kinnick. You're not going to the big house. No, he's coming here. I, I really thought when you started to say, has there ever been, I really thought you were going with, has there ever been a team that has gone on the road to Michigan, on the road to Penn State, and on the road to Ohio State, and won in all three places in the season? That's really where I That's thought. That's a fantastic question. Let's see, now I just gave it to you. And that that, I would say no. I don't think a team has ever even had to and let alone beat all three of those teams. If if they came on the schedule and Iowa figured out a way to win all three, despite not maybe having a playoff or we have to go to a BCS-type formula that picks in a computer grants a, a champion, I don't see how Iowa is not in contention at that point with that schedule. Well, you know what would happen is they would somehow win all three of those games and then lose to Northwestern, and it would screw up the whole thing. <laughs> Northwestern's back this year. You guys no, start putting some not. respect on Northwestern. Northwestern's garbage. PC believes. I know he does. I said it last week. Yeah. I believe a little bit in that team and making a comeback. Jerry, oh. uh, so if you're making the mission game home, to Champ's point, they'd have to have a fifth road game and a fifth home game. What game are you flipping to the road game? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put – let's see, let's see, let's see. Illinois? I'll go play at <laughs> Michigan State. I'm not afraid of Mel Tucker on the road. Fuck Mel Tucker. Let's go. We'll play at Spartan on the road. I forgot coach now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not a bad choice. I, that's a, a, a good win on the road to yeah. keep that resume. To play Michigan at home, I'll play Michigan State on the road. No problem. I like it. I'm with Champ. I'm going with Rutgers. Yeah, so I'll give myself, there you give go. myself the present right horn. Um, but, yeah, Champ, you're right. The schedule is already brutal as it is. Let's make it a little bit – let's give a gimme game. We're taking Iowa State off. we got to throw another game that we can win back on. So, let's throw Rutgers in there. Um, and, to me, it makes all the sense in the world. Jer, how far is Rutgers from you? It can't be that far. No, it's not too far, but I won't be able to go watch them if they play there anyways. I mean, it could potentially happen at the end, tail end of the season. Who knows? That's true. I doubt they'll get 25% of their own fans to want to watch them. Yeah, nobody wants to go watch Rutgers games. <laughs> It'll be like 20% of Iowa, and then the other 5% will be Rutgers fans. 
All right, guys. Well, I think those are pretty some pretty good answers. But let's shift into our continuing our positional preview. This week, we're going to do the secondary. And a fun, fun group coming back this year. So we'll start off with the way we have the overall conference level in the unit overall. So just as a recap, these are the guys that need to be replaced. Michael Ojemudia gets drafted third round by the Denver Broncos. Geno Stone went in the seventh round by the Ravens. DJ Johnson transferred to Purdue. We started three games last season. Coming back, we got Matt Hankins, Jack Corner, Dane Belton, Riley Moss, Julius Brents, Kayvon Merriweather, and Jamari Harris possibly playing for some snaps as well. So what's your – it's stupid for a Phil Parker unit maybe, but what's your confidence level in this unit heading into 2020? Champ, we'll start with you. Uh, mine is a 9 out of 10. I, I think this is the second-best unit on the Hawkeye football team. A little preview to future weeks for my number one. I'm not going to say who it is, but we haven't talked about them yet as my, our number one unit. Quarterback? But, but this, this, team, this unit is exceptional. They have a lot of talent coming back. They have a lot of depth. They have guys that have made plays for the Hawkeyes already. I, I really like the secondary unit. So, for me, it's a 9 out of 10. I, I'm very excited to talk about them today. And it's they're, they're going to be good. All right, Jared, what's your confidence level? Is it higher than champ? It is. I am 100 out of 100. There's no excuse for this unit not like to be good. I he always says 100 <laughs> when it's out of 10. <laughs> he never was a math guy. No, definitely not a math guy. English major. We have Phil Parker. We have returning players. We've seen it all before. There's no question to me, champ. I'm going to overstep you here a little bit. I think this is the best unit Iowa has returning. I understand you're very excited about some other players, but this, these guys have proven it throughout an entire season. And I have no question in my mind at all that they're going to be able to get the job done. Yeah, I'm right there with a nine, nine out of 10 with you guys as well. A little trivia question. Cause I did, was doing a little bit of research. I love trivia. <laughs> Can you guess how many inter or sorry Iowa has been th- is third out of all Power Five conferences in total interceptions the past five years? Can you guess the two programs ahead of the University of Iowa in the last five years in terms of interceptions? Ohio State. I'm gonna I, if I had to guess one off the top of my head, it would be Clemson. Okay. I'll go. I will go Clemson and. Who's another dominant and LSU. Okay. Jared, you have two guesses. I'm going Ohio state and Alabama. Alabama is one of the two. Utah is the second. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. You know how much you guys know how much I love the Utes too. Damn it. I should have known that. But the reason I looked at all this up is because you have all these DBU schools, the Miami's, the LSU's, the, like Clemson, Ohio State, all these schools that come to mind immediately. I was outproduced on the football field when it comes to turning the football over. Alabama, Utah, the only two school, power five schools ahead of them in total interceptions. I think Clemson might be tied with Iowa. I think it was like 81 is the number I looked it up. Ooh. But that just goes to show you, Phil Parker knows how to coach defense. He knows specifically in the secondary. And so having a t- unit with this much talent – plus his coaching ability, nine out of 10 easily, probably as Jerry said, hundred out of hundred. He's the magic man. Jerry said a hundred out of 10, like he always does. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. What's next up here. My computer's frozen, so I can't pull up this. Uh, I have, I know we typically do an over under, but I got to ask you guys a question. One second. Would you like to play a little? Would you rather? Ooh, would you rather? 
Would you rather have the secondary lead the conference in interceptions this year or Matt Hankins wins the Jim Thorpe Award? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to go lead the conference in interceptions because that way you're spreading the wealth around the whole secondary. You're causing turnovers, which is then probably leading to either points directly if you take it back to the house or setting up short fields for the offense to punch it in. So I'm going to go with leading the conference in interceptions because to lead the Big Ten in interceptions, you're going to have to probably be in the mid-20s, I would guess. 25 is probably a safe number. Yeah, I, I always led the conference a couple past years. They were 20, 21 uh, when in those types, in those previous years, they only had 12 interceptions last year. Yeah, so you're going to need in the 20s. And if, if they're getting 20 plus picks, they're going to have, there's going to be some points scored, a lot of points scored. Fingers crossed, Jay. What, what would you rather do? A million percent. It's taking the interceptions because on top of that, you get scoring. And if the defense is scoring, we know this from every single past, past Iowa team. If the defense is scoring, with a new quarterback, I was probably going to continue to win football games. So, yeah, I want I want the opportunity to watch Matt Hankins or Julius Brent or Riley Moss and his speed take it to the house. That's opportunity. Give me that all day long. Cool. I, I, I kind of lean the same way. I think if you look through Phil Parker's success story, he's been the defensive coordinator since 2012. He has four guys who have won the Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year Award under his tutelage, and Desmond King in 2015 also got the Jim Thorpe Award. So somebody's going to step up and, and win an award of some kind for, for the team. So if they're all leading – if they're leading the conference interceptions, someone's definitely getting that award. Who's a guy – is it Matt – oh, that's his question. Jared, do you think Matt Hankins is gonna, going to be the next top cornerback of the, of the Hawk, Hawkeyes, or is it going to be somebody else? Yeah, I think Matt Hankins, this is we've seen this, we've seen this scenario and this story play out before. You have a senior coming in that's kind of had some iffy type play. We've all kind of questioned him a little bit, but then he comes in, solidifies himself as Phil Parker's number one guy. He takes away an entire half of the field. Matt Hankins watched Michael Ojamudia do the same thing last year. I think this is his team, his unit now for him to step right in. He's not the guy I'm most excited about in this entire secondary. There's one guy that I think is going to be probably the best player and leader on this team. Um, but I think Hankins is definitely going to be that next corner that we're all very happy about. He's probably the guy that we hear from the least in this unit. And that's a great thing. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into my prediction a little bit, but I do think he's going – I think he is the perfect – he's in the perfect stage of his career at Iowa where he's going to just dominate and it's going to just elevate his draft stock at the – Absolute perfect. Yep. I mean, Jer mentioned it. All you, all he has to do is look directly at last year and Michael Ojemudie. This is it. Michael Ojemudie coming into last season was going to be also a senior. Had some struggles. Had been benched a few times. Had been in and out of the lineup. You know, started getting a little more consistent play his junior year. But I mean, that's Matt Hankins. I mean, there was a couple games last year where he was benched, straight up taken out of the game. Other guys were brought in, and he's going into his senior year, and he can only elevate himself because going into this year, Matt Hankins is probably not on many draft boards right now. But if he produces like Ojemudier did last year, all of a sudden, boom, you're a third or fourth-round pick in the NFL draft because he's got all the intangibles. He's got the measurables. He's a pretty big corner. So why not? He has a big year. All of a sudden, boom, you're in the first round – or not the first round, but you're drafted. Well, we could get the first round. I mean, if, I, if I'm Jer, I'll say, yeah, he's going to be a top 15 pick. Who knows? Come on. <laughs> That's outrageous. Any other conference level overall 
uh, points you want to make on the secondary before we kind of look at the, how they might play against the schedule as it's currently stands? I know we're probably going to hit on this in a little bit, but to me, the overall depth of this position is exceptional. It's specifically at cornerback. You have four or five guys that can step in and start right now, and you'd be pretty confident because they've all done it. I mean, all these guys have, in one role or another, started for the University of Iowa, played meaningful snaps. And you're just looking at like a guy like Dane Belton last year as a true freshman stepping in into that cash position and playing the majority of the second half of the year. And he was a true freshman last year. You had guys, you know, Julius Brents, I know last year was injured and didn't really play much, but his freshman year, he played a lot. Riley Moss has played a lot. We've known Matt Hankins has played a lot. So you have legit four guys right there that have had extreme amount of experience and the depth at specifically the cornerback position is something that I don't think Iowa has seen in years. You're, you're absolutely right. The versatility that these guys can all, all bring to the table too with the depth is just great. But let's let's get into the Big Ten Conference specifically. What's a team that that the sec, that the secondary group might struggle against this year? Jared, do you have one on the schedule that comes to mind? Uh, it's Penn State to me. Uh, and, I mean, Always. it's going to continue to be these same teams. I didn't say Ohio State this week, so give me a little credit. Penn State. You just, just switched to Penn State. Whatever. It's those two teams. If Iowa can stop those two teams, Iowa is going to be the best team in the West, 100%. It's not Wisconsin. It's not anybody else. It is Penn State and Ohio State. Period. End of story. Okay, champ, do you have a nine? I do. I, I think it's Minnesota. I think Tanner Morgan showed what he can do last year. He has they have big receivers too. I know uh what's his name graduated last year, but they still have Rashad Bateman coming back. He's a I mean, he's like six four, could go up and get the ball. They have a very good receiving group. Tanner Morgan last year played very well. I didn't want to say one of the two teams we talk about every week, so I went a little off the board here with Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's to me that's it's likely going to be game one too. So a little rust with these guys playing, having having been playing in a while and having to step out and guard that receiving core is going to be difficult. Very funny. You have both. You guys both to those teams because those are both on the teams that I have. They could possibly have their best games against. And we'll get Real quick though, touching on Ohio State since we Jerry seems to want to mention them as a team that struggle up against every week. You've got Justin Fields, a who had the highest passer rating last year in quarter, at quarterback in Ohio State history, top receivers back. Oh, guess what? They also they lost four receivers, but the guys they brought in were the number one, five, 10, and 15 receiver yep. recruits in the country last year. So they just they just reload. There's no issue there. I mean, they're always going to be an issue. It's That's why I have would have them out of between Ohio State and Penn State higher than Penn State because they just they have the best quarterback. And at that time when you're playing secondary, having the quarterback who can extend plays, mm-hmm. make plays with his feet, and have he finishes with the highest pass rating quarterback at Ohio State history. I mean, and and Penn State's best receiver graduated went to the draft in KJ Hamler. So I, if it were to me, it would be Ohio State would be a more difficult matchup. Well, you guys well. didn't want me to say Ohio State again, so I switched it. Well, good job. Thank you. You, you still pick Penn State though. Why didn't you go with a school like Purdue? They had the number one passing offense in the Big Ten last year. Because they don't, they the Purdue's not on my radar. There's, here's, there's, see, guys, everybody out there listening, you can tell where I could, I continue to want to put Iowa in. I continue to want to talk about the teams at the top of the league, not the bottom, because the bottom feeders matter nothing to me. Go be in the basement if you want to go be a basement dweller. But if you want to be at the top, compare yourself to the top. 
Go ask Ohio State what Purdue can do to them. Go ask Ohio State what the lesser half of the Big Ten can do to them. People can come. Go ask Iowa. Look how many times Iowa seasons have been ruined by a Northwestern, by teams that should pop out of nowhere on the schedule that shouldn't be difficult. Yep. That, that, Hard. Don't you, you ever rep Clayton like that again? Anybody else? Yeah. Purdue's the number one passing offense in the Big Ten with a walk-on quarterback and probably the best receiver in the nation on their team. I mean, Purdue was also injured. yeah, who was injured last year, and then the freshman who stepped in for him was phenomenal. Oh, that so, guy was good. Well, I mean, they have, they have two great, two probably top five receivers in all the nation on their team, and none of us say Purdue. Absolutely, that's true. Oh. Did, didn't we gamble on him, too, because we were, so, we were like, throw him the ball, he killed Iowa. Throw him the yeah, football. That, what was that, that kid's name? We were in uh, – that was the one they played in Nebraska, and we bet them when we were in uh, – what city was that? Atlantic that, City, Atlantic pal. Atlantic City, that shithole. I, I, for all our listeners out there, don't – Rondell Moore. No. Rondell Moore. If you're looking for a fun David time, Bell. That's what it was. Bat, David Bell. Who played really well. Go to Vegas, fuck Atlantic City. It's garbage. <laughs> David Bell crushed this though. That kid's legit, and they wouldn't give him the football. And he was a true freshman last year. Yes, correct. All right, I switched my answer from Penn State to Purdue. He's an Iowa target in the recruiting front, too. Man, if you imagine having him with this receiver core. <laughs> the other team I'm going to throw out there is potentially giving them a hard time. It's Wisconsin. If Graham Mertz wins that quarterback job, a team that actually has an effective quarterback with three that likes to play in the three receiver sets, spread it out a little bit with the threat of a run game. It's a little bit of challenging for a secondary. If Wisconsin, if Graham Mertz wins that quarterback job, it could be they could be trouble. See, see, you say Wisconsin, I have them as a potential of what they could have a big game against. So if we want shifted. Why, champ? Why are you not afraid of Wisconsin? No, so I'm not scared of Jack Cohn at all. And for some reason, Wisconsin's coaches just trust him more. And I think he's going to win the job again. I mean, I, I don't understand that Graham Mertz should win the job. But if I'm an Iowa fan, I am praying that Jack Cohn is the, their starting quarterback. Because if he is, he throws up three to four balls every game that can be intercepted. That are, it, you know, for either team, they're 50-50 balls. And Iowa can make plays. They did it last year against me through a pick, a big pick in that game. Yep. Iowa can make plays against the Wisconsin receivers. I'm not scared of them. Quintez Cephas is gone. They probably will have a couple good tight ends because they usually do. But to me, that receiving core is pretty weak. And I think the secondary can have a – That's that was my game that I thought they can have a big game against uh, Wisconsin Badgers. Especially, especially if you can shut down their run game. If you can make them one-dimensional mm-hmm. and make Jack Cohn have to beat them, that's, a, that's a, a recipe for success for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I mean, my the reason I, I would be scared of them only is if Jack Cohn wasn't their quarterback. Here's the deal with Jack Cohn to me, though. Like, I just feel like Jack Cohn probably grad transfers if he has even the inkling that they're going to put Mertz in. Because Mertz has been – people have been wanting Mertz since last year because Cohn wasn't getting the job done. Mm-hmm. So I just think in today's society, today's game, Cohn would have left by now. But he didn't. So he's staying for a senior year. He's got some senior receivers. I'm a champ. I had him on my list but I'm going to go ahead and change so we don't continue to do the same thing. As long as Adrian Martinez is playing quarterback for the Nebraska Huskers, it's going to be Iowa's best game of the season. That dude's going to continuously throw shit up to his no-name receivers, and Iowa's going to make plays. To build on that, on that no-name receivers, they're currently they're trying Wondell Robinson at receiver this year because he, you know, he carried the ball 88 times mm-hmm. last year because 
four receivers left the program and J.D. Stoolman, their fifth, is a leave, taking a leave of absence from the program. So they currently are down to basically zero wide receivers on this one. But they recruit better than Iowa does. But Adrian Martinez is like the eighth uh, the eighth favorite of the, for the Heisman right now. What the fuck are, is wrong with these people? Do they not watch Nebraska play? How is this guy like 50-1 to win the, the Heisman right now? He should be 5,000-1 to win the Heisman. And everything preseason-wise they're talking about Nebraska is that in the spring, all they're focusing on is their toughness. So we still have Scott Frost focusing on this team's toughness. Going back to even last year when they were wearing hoodies during warm-ups, this team just can't figure it out. They can't get over any type of hurdle. They can't get out of their own way. And so they're they're just – they don't scare me. And we could all probably eat our words on this eventually. But right now, they don't scare me whatsoever. Same. Not at all. I'm sorry. Adrian Martinez, 40-1 to to win the Heisman. That is just ridiculous. How could he be 40 to 1 to win the Heisman? If you like burning money, just go to Vegas and put some money on Adrian Martinez to win the Heisman. I mean, just so silly. Honestly, just moronic. So, like I said, I said Penn State and Minnesota were two schools I had on the schedule that I think Iowa can can have success against. The reason being, Penn State champion mentioned earlier, KJ Hamler is no longer on the team. Yep. Sean Clifford, he's fine. He's not. Sean Clifford's you know, a, uh, he likes to run too. So, he's more fine. of a guy that can run. Good quarterback, but he's fine. They're breaking in a new offensive coordinator too. Yep. There, there's issue. There's going to be issues there. They have, they have sure a good tight end, best tight end his possibly in the conference, not named Sam Laporta, but when you're breaking in a new offensive coordinator, and you don't have a training camp, you don't have spring to, to install anything, and your best receiver is all gone. I'm not very scared of that team right now. Yeah, me neither. Nope. That's a good. That's a good call. No, it's Sean Clifford also forty to one to win the Heisman. Just silly. Also silly. The other reason for Minnesota, same reason. Their offensive coordinator is in Penn State, so they also have a new offensive coordinator. They lost their all leading all-purpose yarder, Rodney Smith. They lost their actual leading receiver, Tyler Johnson, who led the team in receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns. Yeah. They have struggles with tight ends. They had to use a six-man offensive line last year, so if they have to put a tight end in there, they're going to lose offensive line blocking. Minnesota doesn't scare me. The only reason they scare me, though, is Rashad Bateman. He's a damn good wideout. And Tanner Morgan had a good year last year. I mean, he, he, you got to give credit where credit's due. That, then it becomes down to, can Rashad Bateman be covered by Matt Hankins? And I say yes. yes. And I still think Tanner Morgan got the horseshoe ripped out of his ass at the end of that season. So Tanner Morgan, 125 to 1 to win the Heisman. That's pretty good value right there. I'd rather take Clifford. How about your boy, Jer, Rondell Moore? 150 to 1 to win the Heisman. Not going to happen. I mean, Rondell's a day if he comes David back David Bell, baby. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, he was great last year. All right, let's shift gears back to the Hawkeyes. The biggest question mark for the secondary unit this year. Jared, what's your biggest question mark? So my biggest one going into this year is the fact that for, I think, three or four seasons now, we have watched the Iowa secondary kind of play themselves into, like, game shape, let's call it. We've seen them kind of get burned early on in the non-conference. We've seen some shaky play. And then all of a sudden, probably around game six, they snap into it. And then it's the secondary that we all come to love and we all remember going into the next season. But every single year, it seems like I was not ready to play. Now, if we're going – obviously, we're going without a non-con this year. We're going probably right into the Minnesota game. If Iowa needs some time to kind of play themselves into that game shape and, and figure out who's the best pieces to put where and Phil Parker's tinkering still going into that season. I don't – I'm wondering how those first couple games are going to go. 
I think that's fair. I think the only thing I would say that is that from a tur- – are you saying just letting off big plays? Where is that struggling in the early in the, in the the early part of the season? I, I think it's twofold. I think it's giving up big plays, and I think it's also finding out the proper chemistry slash um, solution to who you're going to be putting out there. Like, will Jack Kerner be fine and healthy? Is he the guy to put out there? Like, is Riley Moss getting time and he's getting burned still, but then, like, makes big plays too? I just think there's a lot of things that Phil Parker tinkers with and or coaches them up after seeing some actual game film at full speed with actual talent that's not the Iowa Hawkeyes playbook, and it, it takes a little bit of time for them to adjust. Yeah, I think, I think that makes that makes total sense. It's definitely a question mark. Champ, what's your biggest question mark on the secondary? So mine is replacing Geno Stone. I think Geno Stone was a very, very solid player for the Hawkeyes the last couple of years. Um, and it's to me, it's a pretty big question mark. I, you know, Jack Kerner seems to be a guy that is going to be healthy at the start of the season. I, I'm, I've, that's, you know, Kavon Merriweather, we don't know for sure if he's going to be a good we player. We know. I think he is. That's going to be a little foreshadowing. I, think I know. going to be. But Geno Stone was a solid player. He, he covered up some errors from other players. He was back there all the time. He could come up in the run and make plays. He can make plays in the passing game. So replacing him is my, is my biggest concern coming into the year with the secondary. And that goes right into my question. And we can, that's how we can kind of have that conversation more. It's my biggest question is how is Phil Parker going to structure his secondary? He has so many pieces to play with. He can mix and match however he wants to do. You can have certain guys playing cash in certain certain packages. You can guys have then moving back out to play safety. You got, I mean, you can just mix and match. So to me, it builds on the replacing Geno Stone. It's going to be, it probably won't be a set secondary. There's going to be moving pieces all over in the, in, to me. But to me, the locks that are going to play seemingly every down are going to be Hankins, Kerner, and, and Brent's. And then you're going to probably see a lot of guys like Mary Wilder, Belton, Riley Moss get moved around. And same with the linebackers. We talked about them. We didn't get too enough to the linebackers last week, but there are good enough players and athletic net guys that you can move around linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks to really mix and match and keep offenses guessing. Yeah. It's 100. Going to be fun. I mean, having all that talent and mixing it around, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really excited. I think Phil Parker, if he has the option, the ability to kind of get all wizardry on, on terms of what he's doing and with the, who's matching up and guys based on packages that offenses are throwing at him. Iowa could have a lot of success this year, but let's shift gears into some predictions. Jared, give me your underreaction prediction. What's going to be like, a, uh, if this happens, it might not be the best year for the, for the Hawkeyes. It's, if, the, if these guys can't play the run, it's just going to be an, a so-so year. I have a question for you both. Can you name this four of the top six tacklers from last season? Gino Stone. Christian yes. Welch. Yes. Um, Jack Kerner. Yep. Uh, Michael Ojemudier. Yep. There's four. And Matt Hankins. The only other one is Colbert. So right there, the top four of the top six tacklers are in your secondary. But that, to be fair, that's because Iowa plays a lot less linebackers now. Sure, 100%. But those guys, the majority of the time, were playing your standard corners and your standard safeties. So I just think if they are unable to play the run as well as the team last year did, there's going to be a lot of those games, like we talked about, making Wisconsin just a singular type team. If you can stop the run, then you're going to stop the rest. If they can't do that and the secondary can't play up in the box like Geno Stone did, 
like Ojemodia did, then I think they're going to have a little bit of trouble. So on that, is that does that mean are you who are you putting at cash? Because the cash the cash oh. guy cash spot's going to be one that playing the run. I am so glad you just asked me this because there's one guy that I am just it, it, it's staying in my mind. I think it's the perfect position for him. Riley Moss should be the cash. He's built like Amani Hooker as it is. Amani Hooker was six six feet tall, two hundred three pounds. Uh, Riley Moss is 6'1", 200 right now. He's got blazing speed. He's a, like he's a track runner. Why not put one of the most athletic guys you have on the team? Don't leave him on an island outside. Put him in the cast position to play all over the field. I think that's the perfect guy. I want athletes. I want speed. This is what we talk about constantly with Iowa's defense. Put him out there as the cash, and therefore I don't see him getting burnt like he does playing a slot guy or playing the run, playing the middle in the zone. That's my dude for, for the cash positions here. So that goes back to my question, because I, I kind of feel like from a package standpoint, if you tell Riley Moss, you're, you're playing on, on obvious passing downs, don't get beat deep, he's not going to let anything back. 100%. Behind. And he's not going to worry about playing the run. He's not going to worry about guessing. So to your, to your point, it doesn't answer your question of stopping the run, because to me, I think he's better in, I know I'm only playing the pass. I can't let anybody get past me. And then for for different situations, I'm gonna probably keep Dane Belton at cash because I think he proved he can play the run. He's, he's a good hitter, good tackler, and he's athletic enough to play on the inside and cover and read and play the run. Yeah, I'm keeping Dane Belton there. He showed me a lot the second half of last year as a true freshman, which th- there is not a lot of true freshmen that play in Iowa secondary over the years. So that they obviously trusted him enough to put him in those situations. DJ Johnson, sorry, ass transferred because he knew that Dane Belt was better than him. And to me, why change it? I mean, he showed specifically in that USC game. He played well in that USC yeah. game. I understand they gave up some big plays to those big wideouts, but the, in the in the you know slot receivers, Dane Belton was guarding them pretty damn well throughout that game. So I'm playing him. I'm keeping him there. Riley Moss to me is pure depth. I don't want him in my starting lineup. I don't want him as your you know starting nickel. Because I just don't trust him. It's plain and simple. I don't. I don't trust him to not get beat deep and to you know keep his head focused in in games where guys are running seventy yards past him. So uh, to me, he's a guy that should stay on the bench for this year and be depth purposes only. He's the first guy off the bench for sure, Riley Moss. Yeah, that's position. I agree with that, but I do think he has a role. He's not going to be you know stuck to the bench. I think You're you right. can get him in even if there aren't any injuries going on. Correct. And to Champ's point, Dane Belton, like, yeah, I'm all for Dane Belton. I'm not immediately begging for Riley Moss to get the starting role. I just think that that's probably his best position when you need to use Riley Moss. I'd rather have Julius Brents out there all day long than putting Riley Moss back at corner. I want him with, like DC mentioned, with a specific role, don't get beat, play your guy, that's it. Do you guys think Riley Moss can be effective at like free safety? Cause he's got the speed. I mean, he can run down, but do you, do you, do you just not trust him in the run game if he's the free safety? No, I just like Jack there. I think Jack's got that yeah. thing solidified. Okay. Oh. Jack's your free safety. How about strong safety then? I mean, do you believe in, come on, come on. We're gonna get to Jerry's. I can sense Jerry's got a prediction on Kevin. I Mary do Weather. too. So. So I, I I think he is going to he's been talking such a, such a pivotal role since everything has happened with Chris Doyle and everything else that I do think he's ready to just take a next step in his career. Yep, and I'm excited to see what he can do. So I, I again, 
nothing against Riley Moss. I think he actually has a, he can serve a very valuable purpose on this team. I just think from an athleticism standpoint, he has a role kind of in that slot spot and obvious passing downs where I know he won't get beat deep. Yeah. All right, champ, what's your underreaction pick? So mine is about Matt Hankins specifically. My underreaction prediction is he continues to struggle and he doesn't produce like we all want him to. And it eventually is having to be replaced by a Riley Moss right now. I think it's pretty set that it's going to be, you know, Matt Hankins and Julius Brents as your two starting outside corners. But if Matt Hankins struggles, like we said, Riley Moss is going to be the first guy off the bench. And he's in, in part, we've seen that Parker does pull Matt Hankins at times. If he, if he doesn't believe that he's getting it done or he's getting beat deep or he's, you know, not playing the way that, you know, Parker wants him to, he's not hesitant to pull him. So my underreaction prediction is that he, struggles and eventually is replaced by Riley Moss. And then I don't, I'm not a big believer in Riley Moss. So I don't really want him out there for a lot of meaningful snaps. So if that does happen, that to me is not has has, uh, tainted your view of Riley Moss. Say that again. I think a certain portion of our friend friend group has tainted your view of Riley Moss. That might be the case. (laughs) One one game altogether in Penn State really ruined Riley Moss' reputation among some people in our in our group. That is a very good point. <laughs> my, my prediction is more back to that versatility, right? The versatility proves useless. No one's able to build off Jared's point. No one's able to stop the run. And we're back here in January or maybe even May if there's a spring football in that instead of the winter or fall, wishing Geno Stone was still on this roster. He's still thinking, what if? What if he didn't? What if he came back? What if he stayed one more year? And what could have been with with Geno Stone kind of as the anchor in the secondary unit? Yeah, there we're gonna make. Uh, I think we're gonna have Jerry go last because he's Captain Optimism. He's back. Gonna make him wait. I will kick things off with the overreaction prediction. And even though Champ, you you might say Matt Hankins has a chance of getting benched behind Riley Moss come the, come the end of this season, I'm gonna go the opposite way. He's gonna become the first defensive back for Phil Parker to rack up double digit interceptions and vault himself into a first round draft pick for the Hawkeyes. Oh, wow. double digit picks. De- even I don't even think Des did that ever. That would be pretty yeah. insane. First, first DB for Phil Parker to get double digits picks. Wow. That's a, that's Champ? a big time on big time prediction. I like that. I just, I think everything is lining up for him to be, it's the Desmond King year when King won the Thorpe award, but then he decided to come back. This is all, Ending in a crescendo for, for Matt Hankins. Oh, then just get just have his stock as high as it's going to be. It's, it's just his time to be the number one cornerback for the, for the Hawkeye defense. He's just going to live up to everything that's expected of him. Champ, what is your overreaction, overly optimistic prediction? So me and Jer might be on the same page here with a specific player, and I'm sorry, Jer, if I'm stealing your thunder on Kavon Merriweather, but I am just so, so pumped for him this year. I think he's going to step in. And by season's end, I think Kavon Merriweather is going to be the best player in this Iowa secondary. I think he's going to be a first-team All-Big Ten safety. I'm extremely excited for what he can bring. He's a physical guy. He can play the run. He can also play coverage. I think it's going to be a great year for Kavon Merriweather. Jer, I know you're probably going to have something similar, so I won't go too in-depth. I'll let you uh, continue with your love for maybe Kavon Merriweather as well. All right, Jer. Hang on. Let's get ready here. What is 
getting getting that zipper ready for you there for Jared. What is your overly optimistic prediction, probably about Kevin Merriweather? If you cannot support us right now with this movement and with our team taking a knee during the national anthem, do not support us during the football season. Do not watch our game on TV. Do not come up to us when you want photos. Do not ask us to give your kids autographs. Do, don't come to us expecting us to do for you when you can't support the black athletes on this team and the decisions we make as a team. Champ, you forgot one very important thing about this game. He is the number one leader on this team currently. He was there at Kirk's press conference speaking for everybody. He has been the most outspoken guy since all of this stuff that has happened this, this summer and this offseason has taken place. He is filling the role. He's not only going to be an all Big Ten type of player. He's going to make you forget Geno Stone. He's going to be the best safety since Bob Sanders came and played at the Iowa Hawkeyes. This guy is ready to become the best player on this this defense and Phil Parker's number one guy. Book it. Guaranteed. I, I can't even – I get chills thinking about this guy and what he's going to be able to do in the defensive backfield and as a leader. <laughs> Damn, did, he, did you steal any of his thunder? I don't think he really did. No, I mean, especially when he did that quote of that beautiful fucking quote that Kavan had uh, a few weeks back. I mean, I, I like it. I think I'm. I think we're all really high on Kavan Merriweather. Obviously, not as high as Jerry is, but is anyone ever as high as Jerry is on this overreaction? This this is. We should just call this the Jerry reaction segment because that's basically what it is. He took a week off last week on his on his optimism train, and he he had to come I got back, back on the train at the end of the show. He did, and then within minutes of the show ending, he said that the season is down to two percent to happening. For those of you that don't follow him on Twitter. He gave a 2% prediction after within, I think, an hour of us finishing the show. That's the Jerry way right there. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anything else, guys, in the secondary before we uh, wrap up the show up this week? It's, it's going to be a great group. I, like I said, it's going to be, for me, my second-best grouping of all of the Iowa um, at, at, you know, Iowa football team. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. As long as Riley Moss isn't getting more than, let's say, 30% of the snaps out there, I think this group's going to be very entertaining and very successful for the upcoming season. Yeah, just to touch off that, the depth that Champ mentioned earlier, we know the four names, five names that are going to probably get the majority of the playing time. But Phil Parker and the recruits that he's brought in, there's a lot of stuff behind them that if they do get any sort of time, I trust them completely. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Jamari Harris, really, the whole episode. And he – this is a guy that's been highly touted and could easily step in either at corner or at safety. They said he has the versatility to play both. So, who knows? He might get some PT and surprise some people. Yep. I mean, Phil's not Phil's not afraid to bench guys who get beat deep. So, guys, could, guys that might think they're they're back in the depth chart could get thrown into, thrown into action pretty quickly here. And there's one way you can stay in the field is just keep everything in front of you. Yep consistency that's what phil likes that's what everybody likes subscribe to the podcast guys wherever you guys get listen to your podcast follow us on twitter at spoko radio at bhgp at shy people's champ at jerry sherwin and at dave cray we'll continue our positional previews next week we'll go to the offensive side of football and keith duncan he scores points too you gotta go with the quarterbacks and, and keith duncan next week and until then go hawks Go Hawks. Quick Kronk. Trick or treat, Iowa City. <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.